So right up top, I need to provide a disclaimer to our listeners. I've been reserving the right to have this disclaimer for now almost four years, I guess it would be. Is that right? I think that's right. Four years. Um, But I'm finally going to exercise my option to say that due to our adjusted recording schedule of recording now less than, well, less than 12 hours before I would normally release the episode, this is going to be a very lightly edited episode. (laughs) Sweet. So, I'm glad so, I fixed my mic issues before we started recording this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so Aaron, there's going to be more pauses. You can certainly ramp up the speed now. I won't be cutting out as many awkward silences as I normally do. And by not as many, I mean none. Um, Grant, please don't swear so I don't have to do extra editing. I'm basically Holy just going to find the transition points. points. I hate you. I'm basically just That's going to... I, I, you said it underneath your breath, so I couldn't actually tell what you said. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm basically just going to put in the sound effects and call it a day. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Um, so with that said, I would like to tell you about a dangerous setup that I created yesterday that I realized I could do. Ooh, like like NSFF at, at, you know what I mean? Not safe for work, dangerous. Like OSHA wouldn't be okay, or like, um, not quite that bad. Uh, but it, well, well, you can be the judge of it after I describe it. Okay. So, um, our after you know, I told you about how we rearranged our bedroom the other month, right? Mm-hmm. So now the bed is against the far wall. It's it's the distance from one end of the apartment in like near our kitchen to uh, the other end where the bed is, is like now the maximum distance that it could be. Um, You can see the bed through the doorway into the bedroom. It's about um, from about as far back as you can stand in the living room to the bed, the back of the bed, the back wall. It's a little more than 20 feet, you know, 20 to 25 feet, somewhere in that range. Right. Mm hmm. And I realized if I set up a small throw pillow just so on the bed, it makes for very good putting practice for disc golf. Ooh. But this requires me to... I can see that. (laughs) I'm in my mind palace right now with my Uh eyes closed, like imagining it. And yeah, I can see it would be perfect. Yeah, it like frames up in the doorway, you know. Um, I've had to be a little careful about how I do some things. You know, I've had to add extra pillows to make sure that if I do miss high, I don't hit the wall too hard. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I tried going from a different angle and ended up th- throwing it into the blinds on the window in the bedroom a few times. <laughs> um, I've only hit the door frame like four times total. So I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, but yeah, it's like I've never actually done any actual practice putting for disc golf. I've, like, before I go play around, I go to, like, one of the warm-up baskets that my local or the course that I go to has, and I will throw five or ten putts just to, like, try something, just to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. But I've never really locked in on this is how I putt and I can practice doing this thing. 
it's just kind of whatever every single time. Yeah. And so it feels good to have this like very minimal way to practice at least a little bit. It's not, it's obviously no replacement. I can't tell if I'm actually, actually quote unquote making putts, but the, the width of a throw pillow, it's a little bit narrower than a typical disc golf basket, like target area would be where you would like to hit. And so I figure it's better than nothing. Yeah. It's better than not doing it. And it gives me a little something idle to do in the apartment. If it's like, I just want to take a five minute break and I don't want to go like take a walk around the block or whatever. I can just kind of grab a few putters and just kind of do that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So sounds like you're channeling your inner Mister E, setting up a, a <laughs> little putting green in your living space. That's right. That's right. That's that's the thing with disc golf. It's like you know the uh, the going out and playing is easier and cheaper than regular golf, but the practicing part is kind of hard. Because mm-hmm. you need, I mean, it's kind of hard with it, with regular golf too, but with regular golf, there are facilities and tools for this. Like you get the little home office putting green thing. And there are things like driving ranges that you can just go to that exist. Yeah. And with disc golf, it's like maybe there's an open field where you can hopefully avoid pedestrians. <laughs> and that's pretty much the best you can do. So... So this yeah. is my solution for now, for at least this aspect of disc golf. But I was pretty proud of that this uh, this idea. That's a nice creative solution to a problem. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So hopefully not too much will get damaged and it'll all be okay. <laughs> and if it does, meh. I mean, honestly, we're probably going to do more damage to the walls by taking off command strips than I would ever do (laughs) practice putting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So. Taking off command strips is crap. I hate it. I agree. Because it's, I feel like I hate it because it should be so satisfying and easy. And then it's just like. It's tense. So almost satisfying and easy well and sometimes it totally is satisfying and easy but because you're in your mind you're like concerned that it's definitely not going to go well you don't get to enjoy the experience of it it's not cathartic it's just like oh well sure that one came off fine we'll see how the next five go yeah so i gotcha (sighs) how are you doing you're you're welcome to censor yourself compared to our pre-recording conversation. <laughs> bleep bleep bleepity bleep. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. So before I answer that question, I want to ask you a, a leading question that will help explain how I'm doing. Excellent, Mark. When's the last time that you took a nap? But not just a nap. One of those naps that you wake up and. Like, you wake up completely reborn as a newborn and you have no idea what's going on with anything or anywhere and you have to, like, relearn what existence is all over again as you wake up from this nap. That's how deep of a nap it was. As previously discussed, I'm sure, I don't really take naps. I can count the number of naps I've taken purposefully on one hand never is this never since Um, your birth well like i mean as like a little kid i don't remember i don't remember having nap time i don't remember our parents telling us that we had nap time 
And so the only two naps that I can think of was sometime earlier this year when I was, I was it just when I had COVID? I don't remember. But at some point, Aaron convinced me to take a nap. And I did for like two hours. Mm-hmm. But the only other time I remember taking a nap before that was like a couple of months into freshman year of college. And I had basically pulled an overnight um, staying up with Jack as he was working on some random physics homework or something like that. I don't remember what it was. And then I had an 8 a.m. chemistry lecture. And then I got back from that and I I could barely pay attention during that. I got back and I ended up taking a nap until like 2 p.m. And since, especially because that's the only time I've ever done it, I was like so thrown off and I went and got Panda Express, <laughs> which tasted really gross because my body was convinced I was having that for breakfast. Uh, like that's why I don't like naps is it throws off my entire body clock like even the two hour nap that I took earlier this year whenever it was I woke up feeling the exact same way of like my everything's thrown off I feel like I just woke up in the morning and I don't like anything right now yeah so with that said how you doing (laughs) oh I I'm glad I've had enough time to like regather my bearings uh-huh. uh because i got home this evening and like i remember getting home and i remember sitting down on my couch and that's the last <laughs> thing i remember <laughs> until until th- then i remember like waking up laying down on my couch and just being like, wait, like, just, like, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea, like, anything. I don't know anything at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, roll over and, like, feel something cold on my face. Huh. And I, like, rolled over onto my phone. So then I, like, grab my phone and I, like, hit the, like, sleep-wake button, whatever, so I can see what time it is. Uh-huh. And I have this moment of, like... Uh, oh crap how long have i been sleeping like it says it says 709 like i've normally left to catch the bus by now oh god like, i gotta <laughs> that's so disorienting oh, oh my god like okay wait let's do the math like can i get can i get in to work in time before like anyone will notice something's wrong or like should i text someone like okay i've got like i got like 15 minutes to like get dressed and like get showered and get dressed and just like go and run i'll like i'll i'll just buy takeout for lunch or something i'll like do something improvised for lunch so like let's just go hop in the shower and so i went and hopped in the shower um and then like i get out of the shower and i'm like oh i I start frantically brushing my teeth and while i'm brushing my teeth i like grab my phone again and like look at it again and then that's when i see the pm yeah i'm like oh wait wait what day is it (laughs) oh wait wait it's still wednesday wait oh i fell asleep on wednesday Oh, brains are fascinating. <laughs> and yeah, so that was that was my evening. Is um, this something that's happened to you before? Like this level of discombobulation? Oh, it certainly has. Okay. It it normally accompanies unplanned four naps. Cuz um, cuz that's the thing the that gets me with this. With them. The thing that gets me with this is I would 
start to question like reality like or like my i don't know like i i don't know how me awake me in this level of awareness would feel knowing that my brain could do that to me like i feel like so far that's never happened to me and i feel very comfortable knowing that that hasn't happened to me Mm -hmm. if that makes sense I I think I gather what you're saying. Like I would feel I personally would feel uncomfortable if I experienced thinking that it was a 12 hours away from when it was on a different day and not being able to immediately within like 2 seconds know that that's not that can't possibly be the case. Uh yeah, like I understand how that would be unnerving but it doesn't really bother me personally because like so the reason i think kind of the the source of my poor assumption and maybe some of the implications of it i don't know we'll see where i go here i'm just gonna ramble for a bit is like i've done that before where like i fell asleep in the afternoon and woken up the next morning mm-hmm. and so like it didn't surprise me that much and then like i was also very tired this afternoon and so it wouldn't have surprised me if I'd taken a long nap, like that much longer than expected. It would have been surprising, but like it, it roughly fit with the few memories I could pull together in that moment. Yeah. But the other thing that's like, I think part of why it doesn't concern me is like, I feel like it's not that, di- like, I feel like it's a common thing to like, do something stupid based on a bad assumption. Like, I feel like most people could think of an example in their life about that. And I don't see how this is really fundamentally that different. Hmm. Um, but like, I don't know, like buying something you don't need at the grocery store. Cause you thought you were out of it because you just had a brain fart or like, I don't know. I can't think of any other good examples right now. I don't know, but the, it's just like, it's a matter of scale as well. Like, like the literal monetary equivalent of oh no i accidentally slept 12 hours longer than i meant to is like me going online and being convinced that i like lost my laptop and buying a new one what (laughs) how are these things equivalent well i'm saying monetarily how is that equivalent i mean it's pretty close for me at least i know how much i make per hour uh (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you warned me about language. <laughs> um, how no, though? Because like, like but, you really but, only lost four hours. Because during those twelve hours, you lo- you presumably lost only four of them were waking hours. But you were convinced during that time that you that you had lost them, and so you started doing things differently, right? For like for ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, and then for 10 or 15 minutes, I can, but it was, you know, cancel that order. Uh, yeah, but it was, I can it order was 10 or 15 it. minutes also that, like, I still did something productive that actually makes me feel better now. <laughs> like, I showered and I brushed my teeth again. Like, there's no universe where that isn't, like, making me the, feel better. The other difference, though, is not that perhaps the other factor here for me 
is not just the like part of the reason that your brain was able to trick you into thinking that it was 12 hours later is because it feasibly could have been and maybe that's the difference is for me that's I know I've literally never slept that long in my entire life. My personal record for sleeping is probably 10 hours, and that probably wasn't consecutive. Like, Are you serious? Only 10 hours? I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm more of an outlier than I think. And this was like probably when I was in like a, a younger person in high school and was probably just like trying to avoid something that I was supposed to do in the morning. And so I pretended to stay asleep. Like, I, Jesus, I don't I, like, I, I sleep enough. I'm not the kind of person who only sleeps six hours, but yeah. my body is pretty regular in how I sleep. And that's I, the reality that I live in. And so it's like, it's like Aaron sleeps a lot. Like, I think she's closer to you. And and that's fine. But it's just like, it doesn't align with how I experience day-to-day life. And so it's hard for me to wrap my head around. In yeah. the same way that Aaron doesn't know, like, well, what do I do for the two-ish hours many days that she's asleep and I'm not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That makes sense. I, I so. think you kind of probably nailed it there, is that we have a different baseline. Yeah. So this experience isn't as far off my baseline as it would be for you. Yes. Because, like, I've had experiences, like, where literally the same thing has happened, like, and actually happened. But I've also had experiences where, like, it's happened, like, not an order of magnitude worse, but approaching an order of magnitude <laughs> worse. And so, like... Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that much because, like, I've lost a day before sleeping. Like, an entire day. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. That's wild. The other thing, though, that this convinces me of is that my decision 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, to change all the clocks that I personally have control over to military time uh, was the correct choice. I'm not messing up AM and PM ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've had thoughts a few times of doing that. Um, there's one, there's one place in my life currently where I'm required to use military time. Uh, and mm. I got in trouble for not using military time. Excellent. Um, and so that was kind of like a moment that spurred me of like, this is actually kind of nice. Like maybe I should just like do this. But then I noticed how many clocks in my life I think are too rigid to do mili- – like they won't do military time. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I don't ch- I don't change me. it on like my microwave or my oven because I don't think I can. Yeah. But I don't rely on those to keep track of time. I rely on like my phone. Hmm. And, like, yeah, my watch, I guess, but... Yeah, I think the watch is the one that would get me the most. I suppose. Because I really like my watch. Yeah, me too. But, I I mean, to be fair, I do also have a 24-hour watch, so... Yeah. So you could do it. (laughs) Yeah, if I wanted to. I couldn't without spending another 100 bucks or whatever. Yeah. That's fair. But... Um, I I do have, before we move on... Okay. An important question for you. Uh, (laughs) And by important, of course, I mean extremely trivial, but it popped into my head the other day. 
Perfect. When you have a piece of bread that is too wide for your toaster, how do you rectify that situation? Okay, question. <laughs> Define the or too coordinate long, space I that we're working too in. Too long. Right. The longest dimension of your your toaster slit. So from one of the crust sides to one of the crust sides. Yes, from the front of the toaster where the dials are to the back. Okay. Right. Your bread does yes. not I mean or or in general, let's just say your bread does not fit in two of the dimensions. Right? Let's not worry about thickness, but yeah. length and height. Your That's bread mostly... does not entirely okay. fit within the toaster when you pull pull the lever down. Um what do you do? Mm. So I'm going to pull a classic mark and not answer the question. Cool. And instead substitute my own thing that I want to talk about is that this is a moment that I feel like I'm being hit with a reality that you have a lot more exciting of a life than I do in terms of the quality of bread that you eat on a regular basis because i'm just thinking about the root of this problem and being it's a problem you don't have have basic white bread or wheat bread essentially never experienced more than like maybe once or twice makes me think you're eating a lot more exciting and delicious bread than i am and i'm feeling really sad about that because that sounds so awesome and i know it's something that would that is completely within my power to do <laughs> but i also recognize that i won't make the changes necessary yeah to have such delicious sounding bread well i would say okay i'll actually answer the you, question you can yeah first. you can understand the problem either way even if you haven't yeah. experienced it you can ex- you can anticipate what you might try to do i got i got three options cool first one might be a bit out of left field Hmm. and poorly energy efficient okay broiler it in the oven that that's certainly a solution that i would not have thought of um (laughs) throw out the toaster and get a toaster oven (laughs) oh that okay that's actually probably like the better solution way better than using the broiler in your oven um (laughs) next option which I don't like mm-hmm. because of how I use bread is cut it in half or like cut it in whatever way it needs to be so that, yep. excuse me, the dimensions will fit. Yep. Um, final idea, which makes me just cringe is like, if it's, if it's like the long direction of the toaster is too short, mm-hmm. this could be a solution of like <laughs> stick it in vertically, toast no. half the slice, mm-hmm. then like flip it over. <laughs> and toast the other half but that makes me so i don't know why it makes me angry (laughs) but like i feel like irrationally angry that i don't think i could do that okay well i will say that other than the getting rid of a toaster and using a toaster oven i have tried and successfully used all three of the things that you have said depending on the situation new option okay if you thought about a blowtorch uh i can't say a half but i think that is equivalent that is isomorphic to the toaster oven solution which is okay. getting a new tool for the for the problem you don't um, want a blowtorch I, I can't no um but growing up we had rye bread a lot which is kind of vaguely elliptical or ovular 
and yeah. pretty long and it's all it's always i don't know why they always make these loaves that are just too long to fit in like every toaster that's ever existed but mm-hmm. i learned from my dad that rye bread is typically like malleable enough but firm enough that you can curve it and just basically jam it in <laughs> like if you think of <laughs> like you're looking at the slot you 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 know, you have like the front left corner of the slot is where one part of crust goes. It curves so that the middle of the slot has the bread part touching it, and then it curves back so that the back left slot has the remaining remaining part of the bread. Right? Wait, wait. Just imagine like you you curve it in space so that it makes like a very very slight parabola, like over the. Like, inside the slot. You basically just curve it. Like, the width of the slot is it's just wide enough that you can curve it within that width to make the bread fit. You've got a wider slot than I think I do. Well, again, you don't know because you've never really been faced with the situation. But rye bread typically, even because, you know, it's... It's the kind of bread where the end pieces are smaller than the middle pieces. Yeah. But even the largest middle pieces, in my experience, are typically short enough that the curving approach works. Huh. Um, However, we now tend to buy a lot of cheaper sourdough bread because San Francisco, it's very popular here. Um, And it's you can get it for not that much more money than all the other bread around here that is already kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And those tend to be longer. And also, if you tried to bend it, it would just kind of break sometimes. Like, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't... It's not the same consistency as rye bread, so it doesn't quite work the same. And so if I'm making, um, like, breakfast, I will often just cut it in half and just deal with it. Right, just cut it in half. Have to have one slice of bread become two slices of bread, and typically because these pieces are so long, you don't feel like you're losing out on much. If anything, it's probably for the best that I don't try and uh, make two full slices of toast because it is a lot more bread. Mm-hmm. However, I have done not the vertical approach, but I let it just rest in diagonally. Like imagine just trying to drop ah. it in lengthwise but it won't fit so it just naturally goes into the, onto this diagonal you toast it for most of the way like but you don't let it run for the full cycle you know and then you end up just kind of flipping it and toasting it just a little bit at the very end and yeah you get a slightly uneven toast out of that but I've also learned that when the, as the bread is toasting, it contracts a little bit. And over the course of, like, the three minutes that it's in the toaster, it tends to almost, like, settle a little bit more. So it looks like, oh, you're getting, like, two inches of bread not toasted. By the end, it that's maybe half of that. Maybe there's only, like, one inch sticking out now. Uh, it tends to work out pretty well with a little practice. Hmm. So there you go. I was just, I, I figured if, if you had to come across this, you would have strong opinions. So I was just curious. Oh, I would. I would. <laughs> At first, you were describing this curvature method. I thought there was a, a moment where I was like, am I, did I just like misunderstand his words? And he's saying that he's sticking like half of it in one <laughs> slot and then curving the other half over into the other slot. Cause that's a cursed idea. That is potentially the stupidest thing Mark has ever suggested to me. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and then I was I use a blow really and then I use a blowtorch on the backside for the part that's sticking out. <laughs> yeah, I was I was getting real ready to just put you on a skewer and cook you over the fire like a marshmallow. Oh my goodness, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> just get ready to uh, s- destroy your reality. Make you question. Uh, that's how everything. I that's how I toast bagels. I cut them in half and then I cut them in half through the hole so I just get this nice little U shape that I just rest on top of the toaster. Oh my god. <laughs> that reminds me of some like stupid internet video that i saw of somebody like being handed a slice of quote-unquote toast that's like not toasted and they're like grandma like you didn't toast this and then she just like looks at them and she's like yes i did and then they like the camera like pans over to the toaster and there's just a piece of bread sitting on top of it without like the button pushed down (laughs) because like grandma's just never used a toaster before yep i love it but I wonder yeah. how long it would take you. That would be a very <laughs> energy inefficient way to make toast is to just set the toast on top and however it manages to convect heat <laughs> oh, upward be, through the slots. You'd have to like frequently like rotate it too or else you'd get just also two that. lines. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to lie. I have actually uh, – <laughs> I have used that not to make toast. So I make the toast – so for like a toasted cheese, open face – oh, that sounds so sad. <laughs> Just, like, An open-faced grilled cheese. You like toast a slice of bread and you just put a slice of cheese on it and then melt uh-huh. the cheese. Sure. But I've used this method to, like, if the cheese isn't melting fast enough or isn't melted enough, like, you kind of, like, hold onto the cheese at the four corners and, like, flip it over over a, like, running toaster. Huh. <laughs> and the hot air coming out the top helps melt it a bit better. Sure. You do you, man. I've, I've admitted to too much this week. We'll move on to Grant's comic, but first, a quick revelation that Go Comics is working for me again. No way. I I didn't receive any notification from the tech services people that I've reached out to about it, but I just sort of tried it this afternoon and it just loaded. So we're back in business. What? Yeah. Huh. Makes my life much easier. Um, and so now on a nice full size screen, not staring into my phone from a close distance, I can proudly share that Grant has brought Baldo by Hector D. Cantu and Carlos Castellanos. Uh, we have a slightly older woman with some big Coke bottle glasses and a nice little purple outfit. She is looking straight into her soul, asking, you like my cookies? And the titular Baldo, who is not bald, um, is holding a large platter of cookies with one half eaten as he is actively chewing, saying, mmph, mmph, uh, which is probably like a sort of an mm-hmm kind of a thing. And then the lady uh, now standing next to Baldo is watching Baldo shove another cookie into his mouth. And she says, Baldo, how many have you eaten? And Baldo, with his mouth still open as he's about to put yet another cookie in, says, Tia Carmen, I can enjoy your cookies or I can count them. I can't do both. Amen. Heck yeah. Baldo telling it like it is. Indeed. Don't you be expecting me to do anything else while I'm eating. That's right. 
As you know, we, as I've, we... I've eaten I've eaten at least thirty sleeves of Thin Mints. I can't tell you how many cookies are in a sleeve of Thin Mints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> I can't tell you how many cookies are in a sleeve of Thin Mints because I hate trash cookies, but, like, that's a totally different issue. Um, (sighs) Can you tell me how many Oreos are in a row of Oreos, Grant? Is that a better description? I feel like this has changed over time, so no. Probably. But also, also even if it hadn't, so no. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't. I'm trying to think. I can tell you how many uh, caramel delights or what are they called now? Samoas or samosas? It, de- it depends on where you are in the world. It's how many samosas in are in a row of samosas? Samoas. Oh, samoas. There we go. Sam- a samosa is uh, typically is an Indian thing. appetizer. <laughs> That's a totally different thing. <laughs> I just had a samosa recently, though. Uh, but that's unrelated. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say so. Um... But where where are we going with this? Uh, what are we? Oh yeah, comics. Um, <laughs> oh cookies though. Okay, no no no. no. Let we'll segue back to cookies in a sec. But I just need to I need to be very clear in pointing out to any audio only listeners. Um, <laughs> to any of you who have missed our over one hundred episodes of video podcast that we surreptitiously publish <laughs> <laughs> on our YouTube channel that might be hard to find. Uh huh. Um, is it the fact that so this comic is called Baldo, mm-hmm. named after the titular character, I assume. Yep. A uh, a wonderful vocab word that Mark has taught me over the course of 198 episodes. <laughs> I finally <laughs> learned it. Um, he is very clearly not the bald person in this comic. Uh, correct. And it's just interesting. I don't know if it is an intentional choice or if it was a unintentional just effect of the perspective. But in the third frame of the comic, uh, Auntie Carmen is rocking. Has the, some ill pattern baldness. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say rocking the good old like 14th century European monk look. Like, like the good old ring around the sides and back. Yep. But yeah, but cookies though, and don't not being expected to multitask when eating cookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Uh, I don't have any more intelligent <laughs> questions. So if you want to move on, just let me know. <laughs> are Are you serious? <laughs> like I did have more intelligent questions, but it's. I'm gonna be honest. I don't want to get into it with the time we've got because our intro ran so long hmm. um i don't well, i don't even remember what comic i chose because i chose it on sunday so okay. if we have to t- cut that one pretty short that's also fine so let me have it well, i was gonna I, like i'm not gonna go more because like i have things that i would rather talk <sighs> about another week when we actually have time to talk about them all right fine not what kind be... of cookies do you think there are in this in this comic oh they're hands down chocolate chip i mean in but theory, they're not. I would agree. Oh my gosh! I just yeah, went back to it. That's my point. Is like snickerdoodle. They look more like yeah, they, or would, molasses. I, would, I was gonna say like a molasses or a ginger snap. Is what it looks Yo, like to me. I haven't had a molasses or like are molasses and ginger snap like similar or are they different? <sighs> I think 
they're similar. I think a molasses cookie is not required to have ginger, and in my mind, a molasses cookie is soft. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking molasses cookies. Yeah. I haven't had a molasses cookie in so long, and it's just hitting me that it's like low-key one of my favorite types of cookies because they're so mm. freaking good. I love my soft cookies. I'm not a fan of uh, crunchy cookies. That's I fair. love a raw cookie. Well, you also like cold pizza, so it's fitting. But like raw cookies, and are you also like you like room temperature cookies, don't you? What do you mean room temperature cookies? Like I, I feel like we've talked about this. How like do you cookies? like your cookie? Like cookies? Like, like you have freshly baked cookies, and presumably you eat as many as you can while they're freshly baked. They're just out of the oven. But eventually you'll you'll reach your limit, and you have to do something with the cookies. Now, what do you do with them? How do you like to have them? You stick them in your mouth, you chew on them, and then you swallow them. Grant, you know what I mean. <laughs> Why am I gonna waste time heating up a cookie unless it's like a really bad cookie? So, but this you so you would so you're gonna just let them sit at room temperature. That's what my claim is, right? Yeah. Wait, are you saying you refrigerate them or you microwave? I freeze them. them. Wait, you what? At least chocolate chip. I always freeze them. Do you eat them frozen? You, uh, this is the key, is you take them out of the freezer, or you take, you know, if you're ready to eat a few cookies, you take a few out of the freezer, let them sit out for like three or four minutes, and then they are perfectly cold without being like dry from the refrigerator or being like totally frozen so that they're impossible to eat. They get like a certain gumminess to them. That is really good. Room temperature cookies are so garbage. Like My it's dude, not worth it. Frozen, on? frozen is the best, and then just slightly thawed from frozen. I thought you had reasonably decent judgment in life. Like I've trusted Grant, you until until you've tried my frozen chocolate chip cookies. You cannot even deign to believe that I'm saying something wrong here. We can agree, we can like, disagree. Okay. We can agree that we disagree on pizza because like we've all had the different kinds of pizza. That's fine, but. With cookies, I don't think this thought technology has reached you. So I can I can accept the your description of why it's good. I uh-huh. agree with that description. I don't understand how the mecha, or method you're using reaches that description of cookie texture. Uh, but if that is in fact true, like I can see it. It is true. You got to trust the process. I seriously doubt it, but like I'll believe you because I trust you. <laughs> I hope you're not going to betray my trust in this instance, but I will continue to trust you with this. But what I'm okay when you so we both agree definitely on the eat as many hot cook or warm cookies while they're warm. Yes. Why is that? Is it a texture thing? Is it a taste thing? Is it a like? I spent a lot of time making cookies and like <laughs> I'm gonna I've been like waiting for minutes while they cook and now I'm just gonna lose it lose myself in the First of all, I think we have to establish what kind of cookies we're talking about. Like in my mind, my default cookie is always chocolate chip, so that's where my frame of reference is. I don't think I've ever made molasses cookies, so I don't even know what they taste like fresh out of the oven. I'm sure they would taste good. So I'll try to extrapolate my thoughts on chocolate chip. Uh, but I think for chocolate chip, at least part of it is the just like I don't know, like the 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 texture, the warmth, like the melty chocolate, all of that is just very 
good. Okay. I, I don't know. Like I, I think that there are just those those types of baked desserts that are made better by being warm. Like even like mm-hmm. cake. Like you can have a cake that's cold and like refrigerated or whatever, and it can be good that way. But it's also nice to have like cake that is somehow a little warm, like a warm cupcake kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Uh, but it's not true for everything. Like a sugar cookie where you need to like put frosting or icing on it. Um, you can't really do that until it's already chilled. And so it, it kind of, it would make it tough. I don't know. I don't know if I would enjoy a like fresh baked sugar cookie in that way. Mm. But I'm not sure I've ever had one, to be honest. So, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. It, this reminds me of, I'll, I'll just say this briefly, and maybe I'll send you the video after this, is a Mabim Bam, My Brother, My Brother, and Me bit called Hot Grapes, where the question is, why don't we eat grapes and other fruit hot? <laughs> and it's just a very good <laughs> conversation that they had regarding that question that I thought was very funny. I'm it's kind of the opposite of... I'll, I'll, we'll watch it after after we're done with this, but because there is a uh, fruit that I grew up eating warm. Oh, but we'll Keep leave that. Suspense. We'll leave that as a suspenseful note for the listeners. for For those those uh, viewing the the audio only version of this podcast for the week, <laughs> as we segue into <laughs> Nest Heads by John Allen. So the scene is it's in the kitchen. Um, it appears to be we'll go with a mother and daughter pair in the kitchen. Uh, the mother is holding kind of some sort of a pan or a baking dish with presumably something edible in it. The daughter is standing over kind of a bowl at the table or counter looking at a dispenser of some sort of ingredient. Um, presumably a spice potentially being sage as i skim ahead and she says how much sage goes in the dressing just a smidge mom replies and the girl looking up at mom again says it's your recipe mom can't you be more specific mom looking at her as mothers do it's just an instinct you develop it's not asking a very logical question. Daughter says, how did you develop it? By not getting straight answers from my mother, she replies. Ah. Oh. Got him. I don't want to hijack this. What, what do you want? What? No, I you can hijack, hijack it. That's this. fine. But do it. This is a very real thing that happens, not just in uh kitchens it's something that like i experience in my professional life a ton (laughs) and i'm a firm believer in the idea that you shouldn't answer the question Hmm. or like you can answer how you developed it that's a good thing to answer but like you shouldn't be more specific because Developing the instinct is inherently based on making horrible mistakes. 
and you have to be allowed to make mistakes in order or you have to like be forced to make mistakes in order to develop the instinct and i think that instinct is invaluable see this is like another one of those we need to put a pin in this topic because it's it's an instinct that depending on where you roll it out can either seem entirely reasonable like when in uh-huh. learning in academics like oh you should be able you should be allowed to make safe mistakes in a safe environment versus like the uh, the debate among uh, modern parents about how much you should let your kids be allowed to fail versus providing like all this sort of thing oh, like where do you God. draw the line oh this is going somewhere that? i don't want it to go <laughs> that's but that's my point like depending on like it can sound eminently reasonable until all of a sudden it really doesn't <laughs> yeah Ugh. i mean this specifically in the context of baking or doing certain types of very specific yes. lab-based chemistry in specific <laughs> environments with su- sig- or with specific sets of base skills to accompany those environments yes i agree <laughs> but how much we'll is it how much is a pinch if you read a pinch in a recipe what do you do um so uh, i don't think i've ever actually come across recipes where i've been required to do that sort of thing but if i were to actually need a pinch of salt i think i would literally just pinch the salt in between my two fingers in between my index and my thumb and however much that gets me that's how much goes in that's a pinch. Interesting. Like, because okay. I don't know how else to interpret that. <laughs> what What type of salt do you have at home? Would this be like granulated uh, salt? Yeah, we have we have like Just fancy like... we have fancy flaked salt that we use only for particular purposes. Okay, like for some particular baking recipes. Otherwise, yeah, we just have like granulated salt that we put into a salt grinder. Oh. So actually not great, but it's a, uh, but it it is salt that we would grind. Like sea salt. Yeah, pretty much. Type. So it's like crystals. So wait, would yes. you, would you pinch some crystals or would you grind it and then pinch the ground powder? Well, given our actual setup, I would just grind a random amount of salt. Okay. That seemed smallish. Interesting. That's pretty much what I got, which is like anytime I'm even like baking salt is something that I can't be bothered because we do the grinding thing. I can't be bothered yeah. to actually measure a half teaspoon of salt. Mm-hmm. So it's like I kind of take my teaspoons or tablespoons of other things and I kind of I don't mix them in yet. And I just kind of look at the size of the piles and then I'm like, I'll just grind some salt until it looks kind of close yeah. to what I think it should be. And it's probably good enough. Mm hmm. So as long as I'm not doing that with like the flour, oh, that looks like about three and a half cups, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing that, but with salt, oh. whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you said that because if you've gone the opposite <laughs> direction on that opinion, I was going to be like, oh, you're trying to, you're just trying to trigger me now. I do it like a butcher. I just take handfuls of flour and I'm like, oh, that seems like about right. <laughs> oh, when's a butcher handling flour? No, well, I'm, just no I'm saying like like how butchers can kind of just grab a certain amount of meat and it's always like oh, within like 10% of yeah. the correct weight. I do that with flour. That's my point. That's another thing I love is developing the skills with a certain medium to just like see how much it is. Mm-hmm. So I feel exactly. like when you handle something enough, you can just like, it's not even intelligent. It's just you and your mind are told like, oh, grab a pound and you just like, 
grab an arbit what feels like an arbitrary amount and it just like works out to being almost exactly a pound if you have like enough experience i mean bringing this full circle i've been playing disc golf for a year and i still have no gauge of how far away i am from a basket at any point and like it's very important like there are rules about if you're within 33 feet of the basket there are rules about what you can do oh like like in, in terms of putting like you can't jump basically if you're within 10 meters of the basket and i don't have a good internal sense of how far 10 meters is and so i'm always kind of i mean a lot of people are still guessing but at least with my putting practice i'll have a very good idea of what 20 feet is which is a good start (laughs) 